Today's reading from the Word of God comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, and Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind me or listen as I read the Scriptures. Once again, that's Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, and Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. At that time, children are invited to join Kids Rock through the door on your right. Hear the word of the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And from Ephesians, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Gene. I am one of the pastors here. It is very toasty. (laughs) It is part of our rhythm of worship to sit in silence for a moment and to set aside any distractions we may have brought with us. Um, At the same time, uh, we can ask God to help us to be in a posture to receive God's word this morning. And so um, after a moment of silence, I'll go ahead and open us up in prayer. Gracious God, time and time again, I am just so uh, grateful that we we can come together uh, to worship in person and virtually, uh, to worship your name. Um, It is truly a gift uh, to be in this place to uh, freely uh, sing praises of of your goodness, of your faithfulness to us. Um, And so we thank you for that. Um, I pray that uh, this morning's word uh, edifies the church and that it uh, helps the church to uh, live by the Spirit. And so um, give us ears to hear and uh, eyes to see this morning. pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, So I would like to start off by sharing just a little bit about myself. Uh, Reading fantasy novels hasn't been my forte. Uh, The process of world building, learning about new creatures, pronouncing funny names uh, never appealed to my interests. Uh, So it's easy to guess that unpacking fantasy world isn't a page turner for me. And I always find myself putting the book down before I make any headway to the main story. Um, Here are some uh, famous fantasy books I've never read, and I have a feeling that some of you might, uh, uh, you know, have some, uh, uh, might be upset uh, after sharing this. Uh, First is Hunger Games. Um, I I know of the book. I've seen covers at, like, Barnes and Nobles, uh, if that's still around, uh, but never uh, read that book. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, another series I've never touched, uh, but am familiar with the title. Um, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'll leave. Uh, uh, um, 
So, okay, okay, I have read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but that's it. I haven't read the uh, complete um, series, so, oh gosh, I'm going to get a lot of hateful emails. Um, okay, next, uh, The Hobbit. Um, <laughs> never uh, read that book. Um, and with that, The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Harry Potter. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The, that last one uh, is, is a joke. I, I've, I've been going through the series very, very slowly. Um, uh, so, uh, on the bright side, uh, the Harry Potter series has been really interesting. I didn't toss the book aside after reading the first few chapters of, uh, of the first book. I mean, the, the title of the first book, book of Sorcerer's Stone is The Boy Who Lived. Interesting. Uh, who tried to kill this boy? Uh, what did the boy try to do to, the, to his killer? Uh, what's so special about this child? I was immediately drawn into the series. Um, it has a really, uh, it's been a really pleasant experience reading through the first four books of Harry Potter. I mean, the growing relationship between Harry, Hermione, and Ron, uh, Ron throughout, the, uh, throughout each book is entertaining. Um, it's fun to learn about the next professor in line to take over the, uh, the Defense of Dark Arts course. And whenever Malfoy makes an appearance, I always have to fight this desire to punch that stupid smirk off his face. So really pleasant. Um, and then comes book five, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, oh boy, this one's a, a doozy. Uh, the author, J.K. Rowling, doesn't shy away from emotions that Harry acutely wit uh, wrestles with at the fun age of 15. Uh, feelings of isolation uh, because there's, uh, there's a festering thought that nobody, not even his best friends, uh, can empathize what he's going through. Uh, being annoyed by overbearing adults who assume what's best for him or monitor his every move. Living in a, a constant state of anxiety because of the unknowable future. Uh, the last word I would use to describe this book is peaceful. Um, at points in the story, there seems to be no inner peace for Harry and very little relational harm harmony with those around him. And whenever I think about the Order of the Phoenix, I can't help but to find similar experiences that we can relate to in our complicated times. Uh, some of us may still feel that we're alone or isolated because of the ongoing pandemic. Others might be agitated by the smallest inconvenience when something deeper inside is really bothering us. Or maybe it's, it's some of us feel a heightened sense, uh, sense of anxiety because of factors that are outside of, of our control, uh, such as increased living costs or maybe health concerns after a recent doctor's appointment. Some of us may feel stressed about the divisions that we see in relationships close to home or as a country. Uh, whatever uh, we identify with, we can agree that there is this lack of peace. Peace seems to be absent either within ourselves, our relationships, or what we see observe in others. What does it look like for God to produce the fruit of the spirit of peace in our lives? How can the fruit of the spirit of peace make an impact on ourselves personally in the relationship we have with others? Uh, we'll be exploring these questions this morning together. Uh, we are in a sermon series called Organic, Fruit of the Spirit. Each week, we look at how the Holy Spirit cultivates in us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And notice how it's fruit singular of the Spirit and not fruits. 
Uh, all these, uh, these attributes point back to the idea that the life of the Spirit of God is at work in us. Like, whenever we lean into loving someone by acknowledging what that person is feeling instead of dismissing what that person is going through, that is evidence of walking with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit helps us identify of God's activity in our lives. And just like fruits, or literally anything that grows, it takes time. It's a gradual process for the Spirit to guide us to unlearn the ways of the world and to learn to grow into the way of the life that God has intended for us. And a healthy reminder that the Spirit is the one who produces this fruit in us. It's, it's not dependent on our effort to muster the energy to bear fruit. Uh, this process comes to fruition, pun intended, uh, because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we, we will be looking at the fruit of Spirit of peace. First, how can we define peace? Uh, a pastor by the name of Rob Plummer provides a helpful working definition of peace. He says, peace is internal tranquility that comes from confidence in God that spills out in harmonious relationships. Okay, let me just repeat that one more time. Peace is internal tranquility that comes from confidence in God that spills out to harmonious relationships. Essentially, this working definition of peace has three components that I would like to explore further. Peace with God, peace with our, within ourselves, and peace with others. Peace must be begin with God before we can talk about peace within ourselves or with others. So let's start there. The opening pages of the Bible recounts a time where humanity once had peace with God. God created the expansive sky, sea, and land by speaking it into existence. And then with uh, God, with all of God's artistic creativity, populated the spaces with many different species of birds in the air, sea creatures to occupy the depths of the ocean, and animals to roam around the different terrain. When God desired plants and trees to exist in the spacious land, it happened. And finally, humanity was created, and they were uniquely different from the rest of creation. Humanity was made to be in God's image and likeness. Everything that God uh, had made was good. In fact, after this creation project, God declared it to be very good. And this declaration included the bond between God and humanity. God and humanity spoke to each other face to face without the need of a mediator or an assistance from something else. I mean, remember when we, all, we had to do our, all of our socializing over Zoom? Uh, people were meeting with family members and doing happy hour with colleagues in little boxes on our screens. Uh, but for many of us, didn't, this didn't really feel like true connection. We needed to be uh, in person or face to face to truly feel connected. So it was with uh, humanity's interaction with God. It was direct. And uh, nothing separated the two from rubbing shoulders with one another. And because of this, uh, of this unhindered connection, God was clearly known by humanity, and humanity was fully known by God. Peace, I would imagine, was palatable. Peace was sweet like peaches. Until it wasn't. Humanity sought to do what was good in their own eyes instead of trusting the goodness of God. They decided to disobey God by taking the uh, fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
Call it pride to be like God or lust for wanting no good, good or evil. Uh, whatever or however you want to categorize it, uh, humanity turned away from God. And because of their rebellion, this palatable, palatable peace was no longer sweet. Peace dissolved into discord, and discord was bitter. Conflict, conflict grew as humanity multiplied from a single family to groups of families to communities to nations. And as humanity expanded, so did the opposition against God. But God didn't abandon creation to be left to its own demise. God, God sought out peace, starting with Abraham, through a promise and sealed by a covenant. Eventually, Abraham's lineage grew to become a great nation called Israel, just as God promised. And Israel was a great nation. Just for the wrong reasons. Um, they were great at defying God. They disobeyed God time and time again. And yet, God's steadfast love remained on this stubborn nation. Uh, later in the Israelites' history, God sent prophets telling them to turn away from their rebellion and remind them of God's faithfulness. Uh, soon, a prophet by the name of Isaiah steps into the scene with a message about a coming Savior. Isaiah prophesied the following message. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called Prince of Peace. And he was coming soon-ish. It won't be for another 700 years before Jesus was born. But he was most certainly born. And not only that, but he lived a life uh, that the Israelites couldn't live. He lived faithfully to God the Father by uh, being in tune with every step of the Father's will. And Jesus didn't deviate from God, nor did he say anything contrary about God. He demonstrated a life of serenity with God. And the good news is that this peace with God did not remain between God the Father and God the Son. But this peace is extended to humanity. Peace that once existed between God and humanity is now recovered by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Harmony can exist uh, between God and humanity because of Jesus' death and his resurrection. So no longer does sin, death, and shame separate us from God, but we can have a restored relationship with God, just like how it was, how it was meant to be prior to the fall. If you're new to Christianity or you're at a point where you're reconstructing or deconstructing your faith, uh, please be encouraged that we have peace with God that's not based on our own actions. Our ability to have a restored relationship with God doesn't depend on our works or on our accomplishments or on our faithfulness. Peace with God hinges on Jesus' faithfulness. And that demonst that's demonstrated by his complete work on the cross and his resurrection. And there will definitely be times where we'll, we'll fall into sin and that will we'll affect our relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. But be rest assured that sin no longer has power over us. Through repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation, we can be, uh, we can be in step with God and with each other. Uh, maybe most of us are already feel, feel secure that our relationship with God is at peace. 
Uh, for others, it's not peace with God that's the, that's the problem or that's the issue. Instead, we're having difficulties experiencing peace within ourselves. So let's move on to the second item, peace within ourselves. I'm sure all of us want uh, inner tranquility. We desire to be whole in the sense that we are content with where we are at, uh, in our life or maybe our sense of worth. Uh, but, if we're honest, uh, but if we're honest, there are thoughts or actions that can hinder us from being at peace within ourselves. Some of us are constantly seeking validation from others, whether it's um, approval from a supervisor at work or co from coworkers. Uh, it might be uh, unhealthy standards that society deems worthy, like weight or beauty. Uh, some of us uh, may lack uh, inner peace because we're, ha uh, we're waiting for the next stage of life, like becoming parents or wanting to hear back from a future employer. Uh, thoughts of not being good enough or not being smart enough or not having enough money or time can be embedded in our self-talk. Or maybe it's just not being a good enough mother, father, spouse, friend, sibling. The list just goes on and on and on. For me, it was the lack of belonging that prevented me from experiencing peace within myself. Um, as you can tell, I am a person of color. Uh, to be more specific, I am Korean and uh, Korean American. Uh, both of my parents immigrated to the States from South Korea in the early 80s to achieve a better life than what their home country offered. Uh, because my parents grew up in a Korean culture, our home naturally reflected that culture. And so my, brother, uh, my parents spoke to my brother and I uh, in Korean. Uh, we ate Korean food like kimbap or kimchi jjigae. Uh, we were raised to inza, or bow or greet, whenever we met other Koreans. Uh, but when I started kindergarten, I was immediately thrown into a completely different culture. Uh, we lived in neighborhoods that were pre predominantly white and Hispanic. And so it was a jarring experience uh, going to school where people didn't look like me or have the same social interactions because of these cultural differences. Right away, right away, I knew I never quite fit in uh, with my classmates. I was uh, too Asian for them, whatever that meant. So around age five, I wanted to fit with my peers by adopting more of their culture. So instead of uh, asking my oma or my mom uh, to make kimbap for lunch, I would ask her to pack me a PB&J sandwich so I wouldn't stand out. Uh, at some point, I assimilated to the majority culture. And as soon as that happened, a major event uh, occurred, a major life event occurred after my freshman year of high school. I moved. My family and I moved from a predominantly white and Hispanic town to a predominantly Asian city. Finally, finally, there were people who looked like me. They, they were everywhere. I can finally feel like I belong. But something felt off during my first week at, at this new high school. Uh, classmates of mine made comments about how I wasn't Asian enough. Again, whatever that meant. Uh, people described me as a, as a banana, yellow on the outside and white on the inside. I look Asian, but I acted white. It dawned on me that during my elementary and middle school years, I tried to fit in with my white slash Hispanic peers that I sort of abandoned my Korean culture. 
I, too, uh, I was too Asian to belong with the white and Hispanic community, and I acted too white to be accepted in the Asian community. So where did I belong? Uh, this inner turmoil of, wait, of wanting to fit in stuck around with me for a while. Uh, rejection from both groups uh, could have festered in me to the point where I resented both communities. Uh, luckily, it didn't. Uh, friends who were Christians always had this uh, standing invitation for me to visit their church. Uh, it was at their church where I re read and heard stories about Jesus accepting the unwanted and outcasts. Uh, those who were on the fringes of society deemed unworthy because of physical disabilities, social status, or maybe health conditions. Uh, these people were accepted by Jesus. He welcomed them uh, when society rejected them. Jesus dis uh, displayed love and embrace to these uh, castaways, like sharing a meal at a dinner table with them, one of the highest form of hospitalities during those times. I deeply, deeply resonated with Jesus' love for those who were on the outskirts of society. If Jesus loved them, then surely he loved me too. I experienced this uh, inner tranquility only because I knew the, that there was a secure sense of peace with God. And that peace uh, with God is firmly sealed uh, because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. How about you? What kind of inner mayhem is distressing you? How can uh, the peace with God redeem it and ensure that peace of God reigns internally? How does Jesus' life, death, and resurrection confidently bring inner tranquility to you? Because of Jesus, we can have peace with God, and that means we can have uh, peace within ourselves. And most of us tend to stop there at personal peace. As long as we have peace within ourselves, we're golden. Uh, thankfully, the buck doesn't stop there. Uh, there's another peace that comes when we finally realize that peace with God means we can have peace within our, mind, our own minds. That peace spills out into our relationships. The third and last component of peace we'll be looking at is peace with others. At this point of the sermon, you're probably wondering, when will Gene talk about the passage that was read this morning? Well, you're in luck because we're going to jump into Ephesians right now. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians is somewhat unlike his other letters, like to the Corinthians or to the Galatians. Uh, he typically addresses some kind of issue that's taking place in the church, and uh, he writes a letter uh, that provides guidance and correction for them. Uh, sometimes a church needs direction for, uh, about food sacrifice to idols, like the church in Corinth. Other times a church starts believing a fake gospel that's contrary to what Paul preached, like the church of Galatia. Uh, Ephesians, though, it doesn't necessarily address an issue, per se, within a church. Uh, it comes across more like a sermon. And in Paul's sermon, he shares uh, more in detail about the promises of Jesus, uh, of Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, part of the res result of Jesus' complete work on the cross is unifying two distinct groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one unified body. And when I mention the word, word Gentile, I mean everyone who's not Jewish. So Jews and Gentiles worshiping in the same space, 
that's going to be a problem for, for the Jews because the Mosaic law says that the Israelites needed to be separate from everyone else and live a lifestyle that made them distinct. Uh, there could be no intermingling with them. Uh, they must uphold all of these kosher laws, and there can't be any worship of foreign deities. The Israelites tried to be faithful to these laws when it was given to them by God through Moses back in Exodus. And that's centuries of attempting to live according to the Mosaic laws for the Jews. And now Paul is saying that Jewish Christians can worship in the same space as Gentile Christians without the law. How can that be? What about all the laws that's supposed to separate the Jewish uh, nation to the Gentiles? It's simple. Jesus dealt with it. Paul tells his audience that Jesus himself destroys the wall, more literally a fence that divided the two groups uh, through his death on the cross. And it is not as if Jesus said that the law doesn't mean anything or that he's going to completely throw it out. Jesus' death on the cross completely satisfies all the demands of the Mosaic law. He fulfills uh, Jesus fulfills the law and as told by the prophets of the Old Testament and Jesus himself. And because of that, Christians no longer need to work according to the Mosaic law. Instead, Christians can now live by faith in the new life that Christ has graciously given them. Now, the law, now that the law is complete and Christian, Christian Jews and Gentiles are living in this new life in Christ, they are called into unity, a posture of peace with one another. Hostility is a thing in the past, and peace is now present. And this is fantastic uh, news for Christians in the first century, but what about for Christians today in the 21st century? If you recall at the beginning uh, of today's uh, message, uh, peace uh, is the last word I would describe uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, in, and in our current reality, peace would be the last word to describe it. So how in the world is God inviting us to live in the spirit so that the fruit of the spirit of peace ripens? Uh, whenever we think about peace, it has to start with God. Peace started with the triune God when God the Father created the heavens and the earth all the way back in Genesis. Peace was redeemed after humanity turned away from God because, uh, because of the life, death, and resurrection of God the Son. Peace will continue to exist as God the Spirit moves in the life of believers. Remember that it was God who chose to love us when we didn't deserve it. Recalling back to what God had done puts into perspective of where we once were and where we are now. Remembering God allows us to yield to the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit can mature. And there are so many ways we can, uh, uh, that we can do to keep God on the forefront of our mind. Uh, whenever we're commuting to or from work, we can listen uh, to worship songs that help us to remember of God's faithfulness. Uh, maybe there are lyrics that, uh, within these uh, worship songs that might prompt up memories about God's goodness uh, to us, or maybe uh, there's a specific verse that comes to mind that's mentioned in that song. Uh, personally, I've been um, singing either the call to worship or the doxology to help me feel anchored in Christ whenever life gets a little hectic. 
or maybe uh, we can, some of us like to spend time outside in God's creation, I encourage you during that time when you're walking around by the ocean or in the, in the woods uh, at, you know, up in Hamilton, um, take a piece of scripture w- with you. Take Psalm 1 or Psalm 23 and uh, commit it to memory. Uh, these are only six verses long and they have such great imagery. Or maybe you're in a season where the Lord is inviting you just to reflect on God's uh, movement in your life. And that can happen either through journaling or maybe through uh, visual arts. Uh, Pastor Ethan provided a helpful illustration of what it means to remain in Christ. A tomato on a vine. The tomato is simply holding on to the vine for nourishment and sustenance. Remaining in Christ allows the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives. And part of that remaining in Christ is to remember who God is and what God has done for us through Jesus. And so church, I hope and pray that we recall God's faithfulness in our lives as we carve out time to spend with the risen Lord. And that from there, I pray that the fruit of the Spirit will mature in our lives. Let's pray. God, throughout the Old Testament, you have called the Israelites to remember, to remember what you have done for them uh, back in Exodus, how, you, uh, how you've redeemed them. That same invitation is, is here for us to remember of what uh, God the Son has done for us. And so, gracious God, help us to Um, make time to remember, to sit in your word, to meditate on your word, or to worship you uh, during our commutes or whenever we're going, going grocery shopping. Whatever it may be to help us to remember of your goodness and of your faithfulness. Let that be the starting point so that the fruit of the spirit of peace may be evident in our lives. So, gracious God, I thank you for this time of worship. And may we continue to glorify you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.